Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 299, the Subaru Dunkathon. Yes. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinetsky. Hello. Hey, that's me. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. All right. Before we get into topics, beer, I have a, a ham sandwich. I just finished my Mr. Brown Vanilla Artificial Flavor Iced Coffee Ready to Drink Can Machine. Which is... Uh, the, the thickest gauge can I've ever felt in my life. Like... It, it's definitely steel. Yeah, no, this is like <laughs> genuinely thicker gauge than a Peugeot 405, like by a lot. Um, it's probably less rust prone too. It, it's also thicker gauge than a Subaru. Speaking of Subaru, I was gonna say that that can would not get a door ding. Yeah, no, this is like I had Eric try press on Mr. Brown's head on this, and like you cannot, like you have to go dead center with all your yeah. mass so you can be able to feel feel it flex. Well, it's got like a triple tiered rolled t- I'm top. <laughs> Mr. Brown is I white knuckled this and I was able to get it to indent maybe, I don't know, a half a centimeter and I can't push it out. Right. Ryan there was speculating that perhaps since it's Taiwanese, uh, they have hidden instruction on how to transform the Mr. Brown can into an improvised explosive Yeah, because this thing, like, you could honestly probably shoot this out of granny launcher and take down a jet. Like, this thing's, like, that's our, this can, like... I was noticing it's, it's like an unorthodox diameter. It's probably the same diameter as their grenade launchers. Yeah, yeah no, this is, this is generally designed to be a projectile. Like, I mean, look at it. It's aerodynamic. It is, yeah, it is. It's probably got rifling underneath this, this yeah. label. <laughs> underneath I mean. the label, and then, yeah, it's got the cupped head, so it's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. On this super handcrafted website-y thingy-me-bop, you will find three open-ended levels of monetary support for content consumers, that's you, to support content producers, that's us, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. And Ryan, it looks like it's your turn to kick us off. Yes, today. I am going to. Uh, so it's a Subaru Dunkathon. So I wanted to start out with a Subaru that didn't suck, so like... It didn't seem like we were biased against them because we are. We genuinely actually used to love Subaru, uh, like five years ago when we started this. Like they were, they had good product. They had good things. You like just they, had to pay attention to what you were buying. Yeah, like it, it was definitely like coming. Like you could see that the writing was on the wall for Subaru, and uh, now they've really just kind of screwed the pooch. So I want to go back to Subaru in their peak, which was the 1990s, and uh, this is a very underrated uh, K hot hatch that uh, was actually made for rally homologation. A Vivio. Yes, it's called the Vivio RXR, which was their K hatchback. And you're wondering, okay, cool, it's just a normal K hatchback. Well, this one is a uh, four-cylinder, not a three-cylinder. Yeah, because it was designed to be just revved to the moon and back. All right. Um, And so it was supercharged instead of turbocharged, because it is... Uh, actually, the reason they put a supercharger on it is they were early adopters of CVT's also incredible trim, uh, interior trim. I agree. Dude, I miss so much of 90s styling cubes. I know, from right? interior fabrics to just like those beveled wheel covers. Yes. Oh, that's oh, so good. I love it. This, yeah. it's, like, it's like way better implemented than a Mark IV Supra. Yeah. No, it's so good. Um, but so this is the thing. Like, it's, So they supercharged it. And as I said, they were early adopters of CVT's. If you got one of the lame ones or a CVT. Yeah. And it was supercharged. Well, CVT's, the car lives at low RPM, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now you have a supercharger that can actually make it more drivable and less peaky. Sure. Actually, really good design, like, for what you're doing with that. I yeah, mean, 90s turbos were laggy, especially when you're talking about a very small displacement engine. Yeah. And so, yeah, you put a supercharger on it, you don't have to deal with that. Um, and so, it, I in here, I wrote it allegedly... Has also it's a top mount intercooler. I see that, charger, which is really cool. It's the exact same part spin as the everything turbo K. Yeah, but they just it's supercharged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I said allegedly a sixty-seven horsepower because Were they um, a bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, because it. All right, so the um, limit for torque on a K car in the era, which like nobody ever talks about, because it's like. It's torque on a K car. Nobody cares. Um, there isn't any. Yeah. It was 62 <laughs> pound feet of torque, but these made 65. But when they uh, tested them, they had like the air conditioner on and stuff. Oh, and for just, God's sake. <laughs> Running it on like 80 octane fuel. Yeah, exactly. They really sandbagged it. So they're saying it has 64 horsepower, but it's likely more. But yeah, it's a uh, supercharged twin cam, 16 valve. 
660 cc inline four. Um, oh yeah, the other cam is hiding under the intercooler. I yep. was gonna say it really looked SOHC, but I see it now. No, it, it is actually a twin cam. Uh, and so these actually had like quite a bit of rally history. To them. looks like it's all wheel drive. Yes, I think I see a rear diff there. I think let me double check. They had a, all, they had a RXR and RXRA. I think RA is all wheel drive. I love this exhaust though. Um, oh my God. Yep. So yeah, the RA was four wheel drive. Okay. So yeah. There was the four-wheel drive and two-wheel drive version. Um, this one has Blizzax on it, which is interesting, given how clean it is. Yeah, I know, right? It's shocking. <laughs> uh, so these uh, raced like Rally Hokkaido, WRC Rally Japan. Uh, there was actually a Japanese K-Rally circuit. How adorable the, would that I know, be? right? Um, but it actually, in the 1992 Paris-Beijing marathon raid, it outperformed the Mitsubishi Pyro Works team. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the vehicle that was designed to do nothing but off-road? Yes. Okay, I This gotcha. actually outdid that. Um, it was uh, in the 1993 uh, Safari Rally. Um, and let's see here. Uh, it finished 12th place overall in that. So not even just in class, overall. Overall, 12th place. <laughs> like, it, actually, these are... Uh, so Colin McRae raced one of these as well, and he set a fastest stage time for two stages um, in uh, uh, the... Uh, what's, which one was this? Sorry, I'm reading my notes here. In the 93 Safari Rally, but the car eventually did retire due to suspension uh, failure in special stage 16. Um, but, like... The quote that he that comic Ray said, you could hide the entire car in every single pothole along the route, <laughs> and that's why the suspension came apart. <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say, everything is kind of scaled for the size of the car, so even though I'm sure it was well built for a K car, yeah. yeah. And then, um, in the uh, another one of their cars retired in stage 45 due to head gasket failure. Ah. I was going to say, this thing has a ton of kilometers on it. This mm -hmm. 285,000 kilometers. Oh, yeah. whoops. It shows four-wheel drive right there. Yeah, right there. Me yeah. smart. Okay. Um, also love the main factory exhaust can on this thing. It's a shiny. Yeah, that's a that's an aftermarket part. Yeah. Yep, it's yep. Um, They're really cool cars, and just nobody ever talks about them. And it doesn't sound like a flat four, which I'm sure is fantastic. Yeah, and well, also, it doesn't sound like a three-cylinder, which is a bummer. I know. But so this is what's great about these. Um, the Vivio, you could also get in several different forms. Um, they had the uh, Vivio Bistro, which was like the... I love that trim. I know. It, ah. that, that was that was the like neoclassic one where they made it look like an uh, old French car. Oh, my God. Um, they had the Vivio T-Top, which was a two-door with a trunk and t removable T-Tops, a five-door model. That kind of sounds like uh, an x 90 if they had T-tops yep. on it. It, it oh. looks like a very small X90, yeah. What a horrific looking thing the Bistro is. They made uh, one called a van, which is just a two-seater with extra cargo space. Okay. <laughs> uh, like, they made a ton of Vivios in the 90s. And, yeah, it, like, what kind of, like, this is the only K car that has a rally pedigree with Comic Ray driving it. Like, <laughs> nobody talks about them. This is a great Subaru. So... Also, being Subaru, they couldn't put a normal ass engine, and they couldn't put like your average three cylinder that you find in every K car. It had to be a four cylinder. And was it actually a Subaru derived engine, or was mm -hmm. it something they scoped from somebody else? No, it was Subaru. Like they've always made their own K cars. So they make inline fours. Yes, they're just six sixty cc. Huh. Yeah. They should have just used that and stopped doing the flat four thing. Well, the, that wouldn't be very Subaru then. No, that's true. Subaru is... No, the reason that this is endearing is because they put a flat four where it shouldn't be. Well, I mean, this doesn't have a flat four. No, this doesn't... Sorry, they put an inline four where okay, it shouldn't yes, be. Correct. They put a flat four where it shouldn't be. They put correct. an inline two where it shouldn't be. Correct. They've put a flat six where it really shouldn't be. Correct. They've never, ever put the correct engine where it should be. <laughs> correct. And that's the most endearing thing they could ever possibly do, is for all the garbage that you have to deal with with owning a Subaru you can still have an endearing, weird little car. Also, the size of the fog lights I know, I was going to say, the big round fog lights. Are genuinely 75% <laughs> the size of the wheels. Oh, yeah. 
Like oh, those have to be nine inch fogs and thirteen yeah, inch wheels. Yeah, and like the fog lights, like they're the biggest thing on the front of this car. It's, it's like, like a slightly more sturdy looking cappuccino with like bug eye WRC fogs on it. So seven eighty three. You're looking at how many dollars that is, Delulus. Yeah. So this one is five thousand two hundred fifty three dollars. Yeah. The, what a bargain. Yeah, I know, right? How much fun you would have in one of these stupid things? Five, six, seven, eight grand all in. Like, if, that's if even. Shipping's no, it's, cheap now. Well, $3,000 for after all your fees. Just you always budget that. It might be less right now, though. It might be, but I would still just... It, it's better to be safe than sorry. True. And assume that you're going to have three grand in fees and then be happy. No, I guess $300 in extra well, yeah, fuel. Cause, well, yeah, it's like either you're going to have three grand in fees or like you're going to get the car and it's going to need something. Mm-hmm. So you're going to probably want to keep that extra couple of hundred bucks on hand, you know, in case you get tires. Or it is still or a Subaru. Yeah, it's most definitely a Subaru. So, that would probably not be super easy to find parts for in this country. No, but I mean, there's actually a surprisingly... Um, oh, look at that tech. 9,000 RPM red Yeah, line. really. Mm. 10,000 just as the uh. final. Um, there's it's a, there's a pretty good ecosystem for parts for K cars these days in the United States. That's good because Up Garage Japan actually has a store in Los Angeles. So, I suppose a lot of them get brought in. So yeah, there's so many, to, and yeah. there's there are companies that specialize in just doing K car parts at this point. So it's now more feasible to daily a K car than it was you know ten years ago when I was first thinking about doing that. Like when I considered getting a cappuccino when they were cheap, when they were cheap. Oh, what was the one we talked about last week that you were going to get that van thing, but it was higher trim. Oh yeah, the, uh, the every the uh, Suzuki every turbo. Yeah, but it had like a really cool model name. Yes, it was called the Suzuki every turbo RZ. That one. Yes. Are so, you still planning on getting that yeah, as a daily? No, I, I still like a K car will most likely be my next vehicle. <laughs> Fair enough. Because. <laughs> I need, like, the, the Fiat doesn't, um, the Fiat is great. Don't get me wrong. It's a really good car, and it is perfect for American roads, where I'm going to be taking 80 miles an hour down right. the highway. Um, but, like, the Lexus also exists Correct. for doing that. So I want something that really just kind of min-maxes itself, like you do an RPG character. Like, if you want a winter tire and a summer tire, you don't want two all seasons. Exactly. Like, if you're playing, like, Baldur's Gate, like... Oh my God. You're you're not gonna be like pumping charisma into your barbarian. Oh. Like your barbarian is gonna be like a big strong dumb himbo. That's true. Yeah. But it, if you're like me and you don't know how to like develop a character properly, you're gonna end up with this lopsided terrible exactly. character. Exactly. And that's how you end up with a crossover. Um Yep, that's me gaming for yeah. sure. And so like I don't want a crossover. I want a good uh you know, daily driver. So, and you were going to have so much damn fun in a K van. Yeah, and it's uh, also one the turbocharged would be hilarious. Oh yeah. So make it make turbo noises. If the K van doesn't work out, um, or if I end up changing my mind on that, uh, other options. A Mighty Boy is still up there. So good because that would also solve the it is indeed a truck. Um. You should make sure that it has a three-cylinder, though. I think your next car needs to have a three-cylinder. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think you're right. Because that, that's the way to do it. Four-cylinders are so passe. I know. Like, <laughs> that's just a noise you can get anywhere. Whereas, like, a fizzy little three-cylinder angry boy, especially yeah. when it revs to the moon. Yeah, that or, like, the smallest five-cylinder I could possibly oh, get. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd oh, be great. Oh, they? Okay, so are there any 660cc five-cylinder? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, that would be cool. Um, can you imagine the sound of that? Oh, it'd be so good. Like a 12,000 RPM five-cylinder turbo. You'd make little WRC quattro noises going around doing 30 miles an hour. I'm looking at the five, the smallest production five-cylinder trying to find it. Fair enough. You do that. I'm going to yes, the next step. Yes, tell topic. me. Oh, my God. I picked a very bad time to have to burp. All right. I know everyone's probably bored to tears over the EV charging network stuff, but I have to keep hammering this in because we have another conglomerate that has hopped on the J3400 train, which is still NACS for now because although we are making progress on transforming the Tesla NACS connector into an open standard, which Mm -hmm. is the SAE J3400, that hasn't actually happened yet. We're still on track to see it early 2024, and at that point, I'm all in on this. But I do want to comment on this because... 
we've talked about NACS and its limitations in the past during this transition, and the latest group to come over is Hyundai Kia. By, by the way, it was um, a Honda, a Japanese market version of the Honda 255 cylinder. That's the smallest one I've been able to oh. find. This is not really that much. That was yeah. like the Vigor engine or whatever? Yeah, but a smaller version. Okay. I mean, it'd still be For good sounding. tax. Yeah, I guess. Is it a 2 liter or a 2.5? 2 liter. Okay. The nice. ones we got were 2.5s, but there's a 2 liter version in Japan, apparently. Audi never made a smaller 5-cylinder? Okay. Well, I'm sure not if you looked it up, so the I internet mean, would know. I looked it up quickly. I could be wrong, hmm. but that's what my two seconds of Google We will assume did. that the Honda Acura 2 liter yeah. JDM 5-cylinder. Anyway, so, so, in ACS again, more... They are, but what I want to—the only reason I picked this because we've pounded this into the ground. Hyundai, Kia, eGMP cars are all 800 volt, and right yep. now all Teslas are 350 or 400 volt. So I want to know how the hell that's going to work. I could find well, eight, 800 is divisible by four. It is, but can the car operate on a 400 volt system? And if so, are you limited to 150 kilowatts if you plug into a supercharger? I would imagine that it's probably going to still be 800 volts, just take twice as long to charge. I just can't imagine that the Tesla supercharger cabinets are capable of 800 volts. Because they're no, they only won't. designed around their cars. They won't. No. So can the, can the eGMP cars downgrade themselves to accept? Probably, yeah. They're going to have to. But yeah. usually DC is a direct link to the battery pack. So yep. I just don't know how the hell they're going to do that. They're just, it's going to probably be just going to take a lot longer for them to charge up. Fully. But I just don't understand how it's like technically possible for an 800 volt car yeah. to DC fast charge on a 400 volt cab. Oh, it won't fast charge. No. Well, it's going to have to. Well, it'll quote unquote fast charge. But I just, okay. I, I, I actually looked to try to find if somebody I had imagine, mentioned this. I imagine they would, they'd probably change the amperage so you, I mean, it the, would still charge, but. Well, of course, I mean, the amperage will double as the voltage goes in yeah. half, but. Again, unless there is some intermediate link, which there has to be. Yeah, I'm sure there will. The charger must have some mechanical means of segregating that and putting it through a transformer. But, like, I want to know the answer to that. So I'm going to keep looking as the yeah. weeks go on. And I want to figure out if the car is going to have to significantly downgrade itself in performance while it charges. Or if Tesla's newer, you know, Magic Dock compatible NACS J3400 chargers are now 800 volt capable. You know, this kind of reminds me of how we ended up with our standardized fuel pump filler size. Oh. And how it really doesn't... It's not good. Are you saying our fuel pump filler thingies are not good? No. What? Because the diesel one fills faster. I don't want to stay outside in the cold. Well, the, the commercial diesel one is, yeah. Yeah, that's the only one you can get. No. The diesel one does not fit in the normal Almost car. Almost every diesel pump. Yeah. No, no, no. There's two handles. One yeah. is for the truck, the big boy, and the, they have a, like a passenger car one. Because all passenger car diesels in the States have the small orifice. Hmm. Never seen that. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I know that's because I daily did diesel for like five years. But anyway. Yes. Like, it just doesn't work. Like, I don't know. I... So the reason that everything this is, is awesome. Yeah, the reason that <laughs> I, I think about this is I just think about the fact that um, who was it? The guy that used the NASCAR driver that would um, he was a bomber pilot, a Smokey Eunuch. Smokey Eunuch. I'm sorry, is that a name? Yes, we talked about him previously. Okay. Uh, he was the one that was a bomber pilot in World War II. And when he was doing training runs, he'd take Coca Cola bottles and drop them out the window to scare. Uh, farmers into thinking that they're being bombed because oh Coca-Cola bottles make the same noise as a bomb. Then, <laughs> I suppose yeah, as it goes yeah. over the orifice. I remember it now. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so one of Smokey Unix, well, two of his incredible That's things he did. He had so he's lim he was li he was limited to his fuel tank size, right? Mm -hmm. So you can only have like I think it's like a twenty-one gallon tank. They never said how big the fuel f the fuel hose to the engine would be. Okay. So the entire fuel hose throughout the entire car was three-inch hose. Just to fit an additional ton of fuel in there? He fit an extra five mm. gallons of gas throughout the car because he looped it back and forth from one side of the car to another. So he put an extra five gallons of gas, and it just met down <laughs> to carburetor size. That was one of the things he did. Okay, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Another mm. one that they did is wow. they uh, limited the uh, pump speed that you could refill your car with. Okay. And they limited the size of the fuel filler hose. Okay. And his way of dealing with that is he used the same fuel filler hose, but they never said how far away the gas tank needed to be. 
So he put his gas tank up on a big plinth, oh, 25 so like feet in the air. Gravity feeding through that pump. So thing? it would, by the time it got in there, it had terminal velocity <laughs> and was filling the gas at 125 miles an hour. And so, <laughs> so it's just like forcing fast yeah, fuel exactly. through the slow pump. Yeah, and so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just thinking about like I love that hateful, he, hateful person. <laughs> Smoking Unix is incredible. He's just the, the best cheater. He never, he never. So my favorite thing is he never it's just said, modern F1. Yeah, he said he never cheated. That's true. If you'll call him a cheat, yeah, everything was either within the rules or was not a rule yet. Well, and if the governing was, body allowed him to race. Clearly, yeah, he, he wasn't was cheating. just creative. So I would like to see EV <laughs> manufacturers like they need to channel their inner smoky eunuch with this because like obviously it's four hundred except four hundred volt is nominal this, yeah yeah like this four hundred volt uh, standard is not good for anyone I mean uh, you know they're they, going to eight hundred but yeah it's I, they're going they haven't to, done it yet yeah they're gonna find other ways to do this they're gonna like crank the amperage or. The wattage, I guess. I guess that would be a way to do it. Yeah, as wattage well. is the function of both, so amperage yeah. and voltage. Yeah. So the amperage they just crank up super high. That's why there's. There, I mean, all these are water cooled. The cables are water cooled. Oh yeah, they can totally just crank the amperage to the roof. Yeah. yeah. If it's water cooled, mm -hmm. yeah. No, I mean, that's how you can have a. They're gonna. That's they're gonna figure out what the amperage is at which point the handle melts. Oh yeah. And they're gonna. Oh, they have. They're gonna get it to that mm -hmm. point, and then they're just gonna leave it there. Yeah, it's like a thousand amps right now with water cooling. They're just like people that live in Alaska, or their cars are going to charge super fast. Uh -huh. They're not going to be able to go oh, into their car. they're riddled with temperature sensors. <laughs> yeah. like, that's always been... And again, some of the engineers that have worked for Tesla are brilliant. Uh, even their charging equipment that comes with the car you know, that plugs into your dryer some, outlet. The best engineers in the world, some of the best engineers in the world, work yep. for GM. Mm -hmm. I bet they're bored. You know, the thing is, having great engineers and being surrounded by everybody else in the company actively undermining them at every chance doesn't mean you're going to have a good product. Nope. But that does mean you can still have good engineers. Like, mm -hmm. look at, you know, like Darren works for Blue Origin and they can barely get into the <sighs> sky. But Darren's wonderful at his job. Like, you have talented people and then you have everybody around the talented person being not talented. It's crazy how the low common denominator brings yeah. everyone down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I, I will be following up on this at some point. I guarantee it. But right now, uh, that's what I want to know is how the hell can a 400 volt network handle 800 volt cars? Huh? Yeah. No, that's curious. I am excited to see how that happens in the future. So yes. I want to talk about a conversion as well. Okay. This is a front end conversion. Oh my goodness. Yes, it is. On a Toyota Tacoma. And I, want to hate this really badly it somehow works and it works way too well yeah so this is the flex autos um which is a japanese conversion manufacturer kind of like mitsuoka where they just make like very cursed objects <laughs> um but they've made a fj i think 80 front end yeah, like for the conversion for the current body style tacoma <laughs> and i want or is it fj60 i'm sorry it's the late, late FJ60. Huh. The continuation FJ60 front end. It's right when they got fuel injection. That's that era. Yeah. Well, so they continued the FJ60 there today in um, South Africa. Of course they do. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, it looks really good on the Tacoma, and I'm really mad about that. I think it's because of the steel wheels with the chrome center hub covers. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Without that, this would look but really like, wrong. Well, I mean, even then, like, it matches the bed line, the wheel arches, the windows. The only thing that betrays the front end is the curvature of the windshield. Mm -hmm. And that, other than that, you fix that. Like, if this had a different roof line, like, everything on this would be perfect. I want to see like a full-on side profile or even like a rear three-quarter, though, because I do wonder if the, the super modern taillights would conflict anymore They have with one the uh, photo of it on the beach here, and on the beach it looks... front geared, though. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's some in the front. I know, um, I know. I still want to see what it looks like from the back. But yeah, no, that is um, very interesting. I like that you can get a Tacoma with a six-speed manual still. So. Yeah, you can get a six-speed manual Tacoma with a great front end. Like, I'd kind of be okay with that. And also... I love that, you know, the headlights are dog shit on this thing after the conversion too, because it's using like a sealed beam. <laughs> no, it's it looks like a sealed beam. <laughs> it's probably an H4 it's a conversion. It, yeah, it's an H4. Still, it's going to be a lot worse than a projector with I'm not a sure. HID. I'm really not sure about that, because um, like I said, they still make these in South Africa. Mm-hmm. 
And um, they, I think they have fairly similar headlight standards to, like, Europe. Mm -hmm. So it's probably, because that old one is seal beam. That one um, looks like a more modern one. No, th sorry, this is not an FJ60. This is FJ80 with a 60 front end. That's another one of their conversions. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, it's another one of their conversions. Look at those wheels covers. Oh, yeah, man. they do. They really love Steelys with covers. Yeah, they do weird conversions. I'm kind of not mad about this company. Hmm. Like, they do a really good job at doing this. Like, it's better than those like Chevy retro pickup packages that that one dealer did. If you if you look at their um, at the link at right here, the opening its first U.S. office, it goes through that. Yeah, these are in fact uh, FJ60 uh, front ends on FJ100. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, trucks. There, that's. But, oh, yeah, wait, no, that's got that sounds like a GX or a Pyro. No, that that's a, that's the 100 series. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, my god. no, that looks sick. The like old, the van. Oh, yeah. Oh. The uh, the H200, the modern highest with the old school front end, looks sick. Yeah, the highest looks actually way better with the. They um. Front end. You know they're doing a good job here. Wow, I can't believe that. I've never seen a company that does conversions this well. Huh. Like, it's like this and, like, Janetta. <laughs> like, Janetta does the Miatas that look like they're from the 50s. Yep. Yeah, and, like, those are the two conversion companies that, like, don't look bad. And I kind of hate that I, I'm not as mad about this as I feel like I should be. Yeah, it's unfortunately very well done. Yeah. <laughs> Even with that, like, compliance reflector, because you know that's required, just because oh. none of that meets modern standards anymore. Yeah, and, like, that compliance <laughs> reflector still, like, it adds to it, because they made the most square... The most square reflector they possibly could. <laughs> well, and that helps because the front end's very square. Yeah. It kind of eases you into mm -hmm. the body line, but yeah, somehow they've really made that work. God, Does this, I assume it changes the fenders too. So fender, bumper, and... It's fender, bumper, hood, hood uh, grill, obviously, headlight yeah. assemblies, front yeah. fascia. Yeah, basically everything in front of the A-pillar is just all the body work you pull off. <laughs> and can you scroll down a little bit to the beach picture? Okay, so they still have the original rear bumper. So maybe if they put on a chrome rear bumper, that might make the rear end look a lot better. Because I think they were doing that with their uh, 100 series FJs. So yeah, it looked like yeah. that actually because they had yeah. a back shot of one of those. Yeah. I still think so, they could probably get away with retroing the taillights a little bit. Oh, totally. But. I mean, it's also bad on a pickup truck, so you can do whatever you want <laughs> with those chicken tax. What? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah, Speaking I thought that was cool. Of well executed uh, boxy pickup design, there's yes. a company that has not done that, and I definitely want to hate on these guys too. Yep, Just that's this on. one. You want the oh, next wait, one? Uh, on. Three cylinders slowly taking over American oh, cars. Oh, I had the wrong. It's right there. Uh, no. I'm clicking on it. Just I, click the thing. You're they can't almost see this. there. I, I know, but I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, anyway, carry what on. The hell? Just talk about this. Well, I'm going to, but now I'm really curious why the hell the lower notes thing said the wrong thing. Last episode, we talked about how much we love three-cylinders. Even Chevy's terrible little three-cylinder sounds like it's probably all right in the Buick Invista. Is that right? The Invista? Yes, the, the Invista. we talked about last yes. time. But Nissan now has a subprime three-cylinder. Have you noticed that it has a timing belt as well? Cool. I know, right? Because nobody maintains their cars, so maybe these will actually survive. That's actually great. I know. Look at those little happy guys. So they're getting rid of a lot of their four cylinders, like the two fives going away. And they're <laughs> that's an awful engine. There's a terrible engine. It's been around since 2002. Now, I know, and it's never been good at nope. any point in time. Mm -mm. Like in 2002, people were like, "This is shit." Yeah, get the three and five. Twenty years later, <laughs> it's still shit. Yeah. They're like, yeah, okay, get the three seven. But anyway. that, that engine's been around. So if the two five wasn't bad, I'm gonna yes. dunk on the two five for a second. If All it right. wasn't bad. 20 years is plenty of time for the aftermarket to discover them mm -hmm. because you know every junkyard has an abundance of them. They do actually handle neglect pretty well, but it isn't a good engine. No, because they don't do anything else. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a heavy, <laughs> lumpy, bad engine. And mm -hmm. like, it's not counterbalanced, mm -hmm. or it's, it doesn't have a balance shaft. I'm pretty sure it doesn't because it doesn't feel like it has a balance shaft. Right. If it does, I, I, I'm going to eat my shirt because it is one of the roughest feeling engines. I felt these engines. It when probably they were new. has a thingy in the oil pump, but yeah, it doesn't have like a dedicated counter shaft. Yeah, no, it, it, it is it is definitely just standard, normal, balanced, and it is just awful. And their timing chain. Yes, they're just bad all around. Which in the 90s and 80s was a good thing, but in the today, when we run tap water for engine oil, it's Spe a very bad thing. Speaking of those cursed modern timing chains. Mm hmm. Buick oh, no. was the brand oh, no. that brought nylon 
timing components into existence. I don't like that. Yeah, Janice Buick has a nylon crank gear. What? Yeah. For the Dizzy Drive or something else? Nope. For the actual for the cam, chain. For the chain that goes to the cam. And the reason they did that was to lower engine noise. That I'm, is a bad idea. Terrible idea. Is there a fix for that? Yeah. Thank God there's modern ones that aren't. But holy shit, what? That's an awful idea. Yeah, that's why I haven't done the water pump on the Buick yet. Because when I pull the water pump off, I'm going to look at that... On that crank gear, I mean, if that's not converted, I'm going to convert it. Do and they like, switch to brass or steel, or what do they do? Steel. Okay. Because I know sometimes with timing components, you have to worry about like a mismatch of materials. No, they're just steel now. Them, but, but yeah, they just it was oh. only the bottom one, because the lower crank gear would make noise moderately from the factory. But it's like you, you have a mechanical fan. You have a, you have a 401 cubic inch V8. <laughs> you have There's a CVT. <laughs> it's going to be a noisy-ass car. The fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, but a little bit of chatter. Yeah, I know, right? But anyway, yeah, when this has 400,000 miles on it and it's had one oil change, it's not going to be nearly as loud as the 2.5, and it's going to sound good, because earlier in this episode and all of the last one, we talked about how much more charismatic a three-cylinder sounds. Is this going to be turbo or It is turbo, yes. Okay, I, I saw it was a... Uh... Yep, direct-injected turbo, 12-valve... Okay. Cool uh, engine and like it's a Nissan, so okay, who cares? But ah, three cylinders, yes. Oh, I'm not even gonna show you the Rogue. Nobody cares about that. But yes, timing belts, come please. Yeah, Everything this is this bring, is a good design. Bring Let's us scroll timing down belts. and see what else uh, they talk about here. Because it's we had two five for the Rogue, um, and speed turbocharged, direct injected, mm-hmm. variable valve timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, They're just commenting about like how modern engines like a you know a V6 turbo. It says a three cylinder down here. Like a V6 turbo makes more power than a V8, and four cylinders make V6 power, so it makes sense that four cylinder eco engines are being replaced. Four cylinder engines made up 57.2% of all sales in the first three quarters of 2023. Holy crap. Good, because I mean, four why cylinders have are a better than a six. Yes, they are. Yeah. No, you want, if you have an engine, you need to have the prime numbers are the best engines. <laughs> Like, I, you want I, engines that cannot be divided by anything other than themselves and, and one. one. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that is uh, prime number engines. Except the way for to do it. maybe a seven-cylinder. That might not be the best thing ever. I don't know. I guess I've never seen a seven-cylinder. That would sound weird. Yeah, it probably would. Inline be really cool seven? on that. Yeah. Mm, man, can you imagine the firing order of a inline seven, how they would have to do that to get it to balance out? Oh, God, what a harmonic nonsense machine that would be. All right, let's look here. <laughs> Ryan is now marine looking up. Marine applications. Inline 7 marine yep. engine? Yeah. Who makes it? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, there's one for agricultural use that's 598 <laughs> cubic inches. Holy uh, It's 470 horsepower, but 1,300 pound-feet of torque. Wow, that's 1,500 RPM. Big engine. Yeah, so that's we a tractor engine. We wouldn't even know it sounds, yeah. I mean, it probably can't spin faster than that due to harmonics. Ah, yes. Actually, where Sella Salter makes a two-stroke seven-cylinder diesel. Okay, Corey. Well, where Sella Salter, they do make very uh, cool engines. They make very large engines. So it's Agco Sisu 98HD. <laughs> oh, cool. Agco. I know that company. Agco is Alice Chalmers. Okay. That means it's made in Wisconsin, or was previously. Now it's made in China. But... Uh, it was released in 2008, intended for farming machinery. The engine shares various components with the company's straight six. It's a straight six with more displacement. Just, Hell yeah. Just bolted on another. Yep, it's a straight right. six with an additional cylinder. Let's look at inline nines. No, no, you've gone too far. Rolls Royce made them. An inline nine? Yep. <sighs> Why? Uh, because it was one less than a 10. The, but they never did a 10. Uh, there's a flat 10. Well, yeah, but not from Rolls-Royce. No. There's a V10. Well, I know there are V10s. I'm just looking at, I'm looking at engines that are, uh, prime numbers here. I now want to hear about a seven-cylinder engine and hear what it sounds like. <laughs> I'm very curious what it sounds like. All of them, well, they're two-stroke diesels, so they can't sound terrible. That's true. Like, they're giant two-stroke two diesels. That like, is the best way of getting a representative audio sample of an engine while not having it spin fast. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, okay, here we go. Here's the specs on the RT Flex 96C, which is their... Um, <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, that's their... It's got a very JDM name. Yeah. It's uh, 107,390 horsepower. 
That is a very large engine. Yes. Maximum engine speed is 120. So it's in, like, ships? Yes. Okay. It's a boat engine. But that would sound really fucking cool. You wouldn't be able to hear it. It would just be like... You measure your cylinders um, in meters. Is it over one meter? Yes. Very good. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. (laughs) So that's another prime number engine. Um, (laughs) I love that. Uh, uh, So anyway, uh, uh, I want to move on and talk about the other end of the automotive spectrum, Dahatsu, which makes small things. They do indeed, and probably not with inline sevens. Well, so it is car show season again, which means another season of weird and or wonderful Dahatsu concepts, because Dahatsu can't be normal. Correct. And God bless them for that. I do like the fact that I can see the coil spring, and they acknowledge that, and they've painted it a body color. Yep. No, uh, Toyota owns Dahatsu, and Toyota uses Dahatsu as their, like, wacky brand. Like, they're the CB2 of Toyota. Oh, yeah, CB2 is, like, the mm-hmm. wacky version of Crate and Barrel. Yes. Yeah, this is, this is the CB2 of Toyota. So I'm kind of here for that. Um, so the first one is called the Dahatsu Osanpo, which is an electric crossover convertible. Which is just a bunch of things. I just checked a bunch of random boxes. Um, it is the same length of the Copen K car, uh, but it's a little bit taller, all-wheel drive, a little bit longer wheelbase. And it probably costs a nickel to insure because all of the belt line and below in the front and back is black plastic. Yeah. and it, Here, click on the interior photo. Oh, my God. Does that have a 200 CD changer as a center console? It appears so. Or I is hope, that... Oh. I, it's probably the fan. What did they call those uh, in old jukeboxes? It was called like the condenser or something like uh, that. Cassette? No, no. The actual device that was the mechanical selection device before oh. they had microprocessors. Yeah. They had anyway. It doesn't. It looks just like that. If you've seen the inside of a really old jukebox, not the part that you're supposed to see inside of, but the part inside, you're not inside. supposed. Yeah. yeah, the inside inside. It's got either that or a 200 CD changer in it. Or um, you can just see the fan. I <laughs> like the idea that you can see your blower fan. That is. Yeah, actually. That's, that's kind of cool. That's a really uh, big blower, so. <laughs> yeah. So, um it has it's a 3-seat cabin, which I love. I love 3. I love uh odd again, prime numbers, 3-seat cabin. Look at the size of the headrests in this bad boy. Oh, they are yeah. massive. I have so much safety in this bad boy. Yeah, this is a good guy. It got it looks like it's got three lug nuts, which is good. It yeah, it's, it's got yep. very Citroen like wheels. I, I genuinely am surprised that this has four coil springs. I thought it would have three. <laughs> Screw that. I thought it would have hydro gas. The, the third coil spring is directly attached to the back seat. Uh, so I think this is cool. It uses a push rod suspension just on the rear yeah. right, and it's got one spring on the rear left. No, it'd be like a Subaru FF1 where they that had uh, that was uh, Subaru's first full size car. Okay. FF1, <clears throat> front engine, front wheel drive one. Um, but That's they, so not JDM. They had a um, three link suspension. Or, no, it was a four-link suspension system okay. with one spring centrally mounted. Okay. And then struts on each end. So was it actually like pivot shafts and everything? Or was it no, just it like was a, a solid rear unit? beam. Oh, okay. It was a solid rear beam. So it had struts on each side and a spring in the center. Great. Makes it really easy a little lower because you just buy one high adjustable coil over. And they're actually pretty cool looking when you lower them. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next Subaru. Oh, my God. Or the uh, next Subaru. What am I talking about? The next Dahatsu. This is called the Mimo. Not the Mimo. The Mimo. Um, Not it, multiple in, multiple out? <laughs> it, no. Uh, the Mimo is a urban EV uh, that places strong emphasis on sustainability and versatility. This sure looks like a Nami. It certainly does, doesn't it? Is it a Nami? No. But it still has the weird little center console thing. It also has the most 1980s wheels I've seen since 1989. Yeah, no, those, they... they uh, it is say, literally a waffle iron. They uh, sang on Sid Mead, and the designer just had a Ouija board, and Sid Mead designed some wheels for them. Um, that is how they did that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, oh, this one also has a, a condenser CD changer in the middle. Yep, and still has a three-seater uh, configuration, so the rest of it's cargo area, which is kind of cool, actually. I Are like those that. Are vents or speakers? No no clue. Okay, maybe both. Could be. Uh, Air speaker vent. But it's, uh, yeah, no minimal overhangs, compact wheels, flat sides, and a roomy interior. I love it. The Mimo's good. I may call it the Mimo instead of Mimo, because the... Me, it says it, it Mimo says right there. Me, Colon Mo. Mimo. Mimo. That's a good name for a truck. Finding Mimo. And the final one is called the 
Dahatsu uniform, um, which apparently I don't see a photo of. Oh, there it is. Um, so oh, no, what happened? Th- there we go. There. That's some terrible <laughs> God, advertisement. That, that so much better. For an Outlander <laughs> So um, <laughs> the Dahatsu uniform <laughs> truck and cargo van. Mm. Uh, they are light commercial vehicles. Perfect. That's what we need. The Amazon man arrived at my house today. Ooh, they've moved the CD changer to the left a bit. Oh, they did. Look at that. Mm. This is a good-looking truck. I love this. Like, hell yeah. I want this to be my Amazon truck. Like, oh, this, is, gotta, this is a perfect inner-city final-mile delivery vehicle. Look at how happy he is. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I love I'm the LED uniform. Look at me. Um, yeah, so what's cool is they uh, also have an external power supply function. So they can, and it enables them to be a mobile shop. Oh, it's a vehicle to load? Yeah. So that's really cool. So, yeah, it's, yeah. So basically. I like that. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Is that for like small businesses, you can just take your little truck, your, like your little coffee truck, and then go to your location and then vehicle load. You don't need some loud generator ruining everything. Yeah, that's perfect great. for like a plumber or a handyman or something like that. I'm thinking of farmer's market. Vita. Oh, yeah. I just dropped Jan off at work today yeah. in Minneapolis. The Mill City Farmer's Market was happening. It was a sea of just little small engines making power. It was very annoying. I don't know what they would need power for other than maybe refrigeration, I guess. Refrigeration or if you have like a blender or something you're in the middle of a parking lot. Like, I didn't yeah. know they did like prepared foods at farmer's markets. You should go to them. I think I should. There's yeah. one easy walking distance to my house every Sunday. You should do that. I it's very should. good. The one over by your house, actually. Mm-hmm. I I've really like the St. Paul one. Yeah. It, would you like to go next the, tomorrow? Uh, if they're having it tomorrow, we can go. Tomorrow. I think they do every Sunday. What time does it start? Do you know? In the morning. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. It's uh, started by the time I wake up. Probably. I don't. I don't think I have a we could show, show up at like eight nine. Think maybe I don't well, know. let's do the same parade anyway. Yeah. That doesn't need to be recorded. Let's we'll talk about. But anyway, the you, should title to, you should go to a farmers market <laughs> with my <laughs> with my it. uniform and use a blender. Yeah, there gotcha. you go. Gotcha. Anyway, back to the title of the episode. Let's dunk on Subaru some more. I was scrolling right. for articles today, and on the Autopian, I found somebody had a test of the new Crosstrek Wilderness, which is a trim level, kind of like trail rated, but not. They found out that this bad boy has a skid plate so they perched it on a piece of rock they got underneath it and they noticed that not only was it like 16 gauge sheet metal the entire perimeter of this skid plate which mind you was designed to protect the underside of a car hitting stuff is completely plastic riveted to plastic panels yep it's basically the hams can versus the the brown mr brown okay Subaru has not figured out how to make a car yet. This is actually 16 gauge. Real yes, life. But like, real life, this can of Mr. Brown coffee is the same gauge as the underside shield on mm-hmm. this. On a wilderness trim Subaru. And it's connected to what? Plastic. It's using plastic rivets. Okay. You know the things that do really well in like cold and off-road environments? Because yeah. they have excellent shear... Oh, wait. Terrible shear resistance. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking for. Also, uh, y- yeah. What does plastic rivets go into? Uh, plastic. Yep. So it basically goes into plastic, which is your bumper and your fender liners and your lower like pedestrian crash protection. Josh Erickson, the man that did the uh, little magnets that come with our invitations. Yes. He recently bought a 2023 Civic, or 2022 Civic, okay. the current body style Civic. Yes. I did an oil change for him because I was showing him how to do it on his car because he'd never done one in that. He'd only done my like weird old things, so he wanted to like make sure he's doing it right. Where's like, the glass filter element bulb? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like, and so I was showing him, and I was showing him high, which, fun fact, that's a really good litmus test of how difficult an oil change is on a car. It's super easy. Um, so I noticed... That the metal skid plate on the brand new Civics yes. are thicker than this. They are literally that thick of where it's bent over here. Sure. Which, again, Civic. Literally, the name of the car is City. Um, it's a car designed to be on pavement its, its entire yes. life. And it has a metal skid plate that's thicker than that. And what is that skid plate attached to? The subframe. Which is? Metal. Ah! Ah! And they did use a plastic rivet. But they have three metal bolts, two uh-huh. in the front, 
one in the rear. I see. If all the plastic rivets break off, you still have the skid plate attached. The plastic rivets are there, so it is able to flex and not stress the metal bolts. Crazy. It's actually well designed. Crazy. Yeah. And so it doesn't vibrate. Take so. that communist thought process and you get out, sir. Yeah. That's not welcome at Subaru's uh, whatever I'm just, production I mean, I'm facility. I'm thinking, you know, I'm just, uh, every time I see modern Subaru, I, I just think back to like prior Subaru products, such as the Nakajima N1K1, if you look that up. Um, Nakajima N1K1. There you go. Thank you. This is the Nakajima N1K. This? Uh, Shinden, yes. You can take that one. Sure, why not? This is a wonderful fighter plane. Um, and this actually, uh, for... That's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. It is. And this is actually a really a much better plane than the Zero. And this is what they ended up replacing the Zero with. Uh, it was originally designed as a float plane. Um... And so, actually, it's mid-war. Damn it. So, uh, it was probably under development earlier. It was designed to be a float plane. <laughs> um, and so, if you look at the uh, landing gear in the front, the landing <laughs> gear is really thin because they had to fit it around where the guns would go. Ah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, guns first. Uh, the landing gear breaks off at about 130 miles an hour, and the takeoff speed is 100. So, you have to really like be on top of this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, that was a prop. That's a very Subaru. It was a prop. It was a Subaru thing. However, once it's in the air, and if, assuming you don't break the landing gear off. Um, on takeoff, my dude. Yeah, on takeoff. Uh, the Americans found out that this actually could outmaneuver and outperform the F4U Corsair, mm. the Marines plane, ah. in every form, even though it used 7.62 millimeter guns, which is 30 cal guns on it. it 30 cals and then. Uh, 50 cal cannons are were they 50 no they're 20 millimeter cannons uh which is a hilarious combo because it's like tiny bullet and then tank small tank round um and that's what they were firing this is very long yeah uh this is a prior subaru product mm -hmm. subaru is capable of making good pro again also you can tell it's subaru because it had the weird landing gear of course it right. some sort of achilles there's seal. a problem yeah, there's always a problem in the subaru that's a Subaru. okay well, but also subaru, a subaru is always the successor to the mitsubishi because mitsubishi will make the good thing first that was the zero and, yep and then mitsubishi will not continue making the good thing and then subaru will go all right i'll make we a good do thing that. yeah we could do that we could do that and i don't know what the hell happened after this because after this they made the subaru 360 they made oh, all these great God. little cars the yes. car we saw before yes. and now we're looking at cross track cross track with a pop can plastic riveted to additional plastic yep, yep. What the fuck, Subaru? It's because the car was ready to be produced, and the marketing department's like, well, we have a skid plate, right? And they're like, well, there's no... I, I genuinely, like... No, it, it, as they've grown, the bean counters have shown that they can make Subaru more profitable. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're getting, is they're trading the engineering that they previously had that made them special for additional... Pla like, additional... God, I'm just looking at this. It's literally plastic on plastic. <laughs> yeah, he's pushing on it, and the whole thing's just moving. It, they're, they're, also, it's like six inches long, they're, by the way. They're trading their future. Their, yeah, just their future. For yes, profits now. Brand recognition and loyalty, which is... Well, they still somehow have it, but... They, well, no, they do, they because... decisions like Well, this. no, the, the thing is, they do, because they mostly sell crossovers. And... The thing is with their crossovers and like their crossovers being good, um, is <laughs> they only have so much goodwill. Oh yeah, they're not Toyota. Like Toyota was predicated on thirty years of goodwill. By the time that they Toyota decided to be just boring and not great, and even when they were boring and not great, they still went to their base tenets of reliability. But you still recommended Toyotas to be yeah, like because it won't break. A two thousand two thousand eight Corolla yeah, is the a, most boring thing yeah, ever. Like Jana's ES three thirty, it's vanilla as a flavor. Like it is boring as hell. I spent but the last week in an 06 ES three thirty. I can attest to it. Yeah, they're vanilla as a flavor. They're very boring, but mm -hmm. you know you're not mad about it. You have an air conditioned seat. Mm -hmm. You have Which a I sunroof. Used a lot in Florida. Yeah, you have a, you have a sunroof. The sunroof was very noisy, so I left it closed. It is a downside, but I mean you still have it there. But you can still look up and see sky through I the, I left the glass. The closed. I hate the shader. I as it's seasonal depression. Ah, um, I just don't like noise. Yeah, that's fair. 
Uh, but yeah, like the ES330, even being the most boring Toyota product ever produced, was mm-hmm. still not oh, a bad yeah. car. No, it's a good vehicle. Even like the 2AZ four cylinder base Camry with the auto. It, it, is, you did know, you see the Mighty Car Mods thing? They bought one. Yes, of those. it did. And then that somebody hit and ran it. No. That's why they didn't do another episode about it. The next, the next video, I was watching them today because they have a new one. They're doing an up exclamation mark. Thank you. They're Oof. doing a uh, GTI swapped up exclamation mark. I used to love Mighty Car Mods, and then the last like, two years, it was really boring. Now I feel like I'm kind of back into it. Yeah, no, they started doing more normal things Good. instead of like crazy They need videos. to buy another Camry. They really do. Like, I, that car Mighty, awesome. Mighty Car Mods, I like it when they do dumb things. To, like, like, don't, don't make a cool car. Don't do that. I'm not here for this. 280 horsepower on a stock auto four-cylinder Camry. Yeah. It's just like, fine. Yeah, like, that's cool. <laughs> Hell anyway, yeah. Subaru sucks. Yeah, but like anyway, what I was saying is that when you have products like this, where mm-hmm. it's like your wilderness has the little metal sheet, like okay, so this is one hundred percent not going to be used by anybody that's going to be off roading this. So you're not going to have any goodwill from them. Correct. Also, the CVT will explode the instant you show this thing. Yes, Ill. and the engines have proven to be catastrophically unreliable mm-hmm. because of mainly oiling issues. Yeah. with the pump at the front. Running tap water for engine oil, all of which is a problem when you're off-roading. Yeah. So, well, even on-roading, like, oh, yeah. they're unreliable. It's bad. It's very bad. So, the thing is, like, Toyota, when they abandoned their enthusiast, they were able to get by on taxi cab drivers. Mm-hmm. Abandoning their enthusiast, like, they're not going to really be able to get by on much. Like, no, because they don't do anything. Subaru's great. And so what Subaru's going to do is they're going to do, like, a Honda. Where it's like they're going to abandon it and it's going to be like, all right, old people. That's who's going to buy this. But the problem is Subaru has a market cap of, I think, like, I think they're like something like maybe like 400. What's how many cars in Subaru? Well, even just like a percentage of what Toyota shifts. I mean, I know Subaru is a way smaller company. But yeah, I mean, Toyota, to your point, has always had reliability going for them. Like, they are going to sell you a product that will Subaru function. Subaru sold 556,000 vehicles in 2022. So that's a good chunk of cars, but yes. I'm guessing Toyota was well over a million. I'd have to think. I mean, they sell a million F-150s. Uh, globally, between January and December 2022, Toyota sold 10.48 million cars. Ah, so they're 20 times the size of yeah. Subaru. Okay. And let's look at Honda, who's oh, like... Boy. Honda never recovered from... They're still at $21 million. Oh, my God. They sell more than Toyota? Uh, worldwide, yeah, apparently. Wow. Um, but this is the thing. Wow. Like, Honda and Toyota can weather this. Mm-hmm. Subaru, they aren't that big. When was they, the last time you recommended a Subaru to somebody that doesn't maintain their car? Yeah, exactly. Never. Like, Subaru is too small of a company to be doing this right now. Mm-hmm. This is like if Fiat decided to do this. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, you're going to sink the company. Lancia did that. Oh, my God. Literally, Lancia did that through the Delta. They did nothing after the Delta, and then they fell off a cliff mm-hmm. because nobody knew who the hell they were. And how do, you get fit? how do people find out who you are? By doing something ridiculous. Like, people knew Tesla because Tesla made the Roadster. Nobody knew who Jim EV was. Like the right. the random compliance EVs I see, like from the two thousands, which were effectively the same thing as a roadster, just not sexy or fast. Well, even like the T zero, like autocross people knew about it, yeah. which was the tech that went into the original Tesla exactly, company. Yeah. But like that, yeah. The- but like that, when you actually make a car that like gets into a public fight with with Top Gear, when you make a Model S that's actually like a sexy car, like at the time, mm-hmm. like that's how you grow a company. Like you're not making volume sales with that. Right. And Subaru, I think. They're making record numbers, and they're going, okay, cool. We're just going to sit here and coast at 600,000 cars, and hopefully people are going to enjoy us because we're all-wheel drive. But like, meanwhile, Subarus are the best lease candidates in the world because nobody in the world wants them below the Mason-Dixon line. It's <laughs> 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 just like, what, what are they say, thinking? When your only selling point is it's, it can be purchased cheaply, and you, ha- you drive all four wheels. Yeah. Like, but every car does that now. Yeah. You can get an Altima. With all-wheel drive. In 2015, when I was selling Subarus, yeah. uh, I could not get, I could not find a way to get around, honestly, like, without lying to people, why should I buy this Forester instead of a CX-5? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. 
and other than me being a car nerd, like for your average soccer mom, I don't know, ma'am. Like you shouldn't. It it's won't got a lower rust center. As fast? It's got a lower center of gravity. They're both gonna rust like hell. They're both not as reliable as a Toyota. Uh, so yeah. Fair um, enough. If you got to take it, that's totally fine. No, that's fine. Um, Wilderness, man. And just the fact that they put like a really outdoorsy trip. And like even this photo, uh, granted the Autopian took this photo. It wasn't a press photo, but like clearly they are intending people to take this camping and go on lighter trails. The vehicle isn't ready for that. And just placating people with this little six inch long piece of sheet metal underneath the oil pan, riveted to plastic with plastic. I get it. I, I it's it. just like a slap in the face to them um, thinking everyone is dumb. And everyone is dumb. But. Before I move on to my thing, can yeah. you... Um, oh, actually, Jan just texted me and said, no, no worries. Um, anyway, I want to talk about another Subaru, because we're going to dunk on Subarus twice in a row, and then I'm going to run outside for a phone call. Okay. Um, actually, what we're going to do is I'm going to be anxious doing this, and I'm going to rush through it. So tell me about this Ford EV, or tell everybody right, else about let's it. Do and that. I'll be right back quick. in one second. Sounds good. No worries at all. So the F-150 Lightning, the only we'll say good pickup truck that Ford makes, except for, I don't know, the Maverick does has it, it has its upsides. Don't get me wrong. I'd like the fact that it's a compact truck and it gets good fuel economy. The fact that they have at least a mild hybrid version of it, but you know me, I'm the EV guy, right? So I got to tell you about the lightning. This thing, since it launched, other than the fact it's just been blowing straight through the original MSRP claims, not getting anywhere near the $40,000 base, closer to 70 for a base F-150 Lightning. They have finally decided, in their infinite wisdom, to add a heat pump to this vehicle that already has the equipment for it. They already have AC-driven AC compressors. No pun intended. But, of course, this is like when they brought us the Jeep Grand Cherokee diesel and nobody bought it. Everyone's like, oh, well, we brought you a diesel, nobody bought it. Like, that's because you bundled it with the top trim, which added 30 grand to the vehicle. So Ford's get- doing the same thing with this, and you cannot get the heat pump in the base trim. You got to get a trim called the Flash. It sounds stupid. The Flash. The Lightning Flash. Yeah, there it is on the little It comes with the heat door. pump, it's the heat flash. <laughs> the hot flash better than a piss flash uh but I anyway I, this is stupid i just it should have they they okay in they an electric car especially everything should have a heat pump all the equipment's there for air conditioning it literally takes a reversing valve and a bigger uh evaporator yeah inside the car to like pull the heat the other direction i have a question yes trucks are made for contractors typically they are the evs are trying to replace the gas engines right mm-hmm wouldn't a contractor want a heat pump? Correct. It's a huge energy savings, especially yeah. like if you're running this thing, which as a delivery truck, or like a contractor, like yeah. you're you're bidding a job and you want to leave the heat on so you can use it as an office, which they all do. Yeah, the heat pump is like fifty percent or more more efficient than resistive heat, this and a lot stupid. of these are sold in cold climates. Well, I also know that a lot of them, um, a lot of contractors, uh, will buy a very expensive truck is a tax write-off. Yep. Um, yep. And I've watched this happen with like honest businesses. Um, mm-hmm. At will, the end of the year, a lot of expensive Denali's get sold. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, so uh, I, I won't just name the, the shop that did this, but I, I, I knew an owner of a shop who also uh, was starting up some, um, some AA stuff. And he had put, made a bunch of purchases and everything. And he had, uh, actually, been able to like, grow his business because he had he had basically bought the building next to him, okay. and that allowed him to start hosting AA meetings. And the coffee shop that he owned uh, was suddenly more profitable. Ah, great! And so he made. <laughs> in, but like, since the coffee shop wasn't technically part of his his nonprofit that ran the uh, AA meetings, sure, uh, he owed a lot of money in taxes. So great. he suddenly had to buy a stupid expensive fully loaded truck that he did not want <laughs> because it was literally spend ninety thousand dollars or pay a hundred and twenty. Yeah, no, and that that happens way more than yeah. it should, especially right now. Because like and everyone's taxes stupid. are yeah. so wonky from these big industrial ripples from the economy doing whatever it's doing in yeah. the last four years. It's just it's totally wacky. And I mean as long as those people end up in one of these fine and you get the E V tax credit on top of that. I get it and it but, is under that G V. Yeah, but the thing is for like fleet sales and stuff, like mm-hmm. you're 
like be you could if if that's Ford, they they could squeak out an extra you know fifteen grand mm-hmm. by having the heat pump be just a added on option well, to a base model. The or components whatever. exist. They're completely divorced of the battery pack and every interior finish. So yep. there's, yeah, there's no reason that can't be an a la carte checkbox. Yeah, no, it is entirely. It should be standard. It, it, no, it's it's totally just trying to force people into a higher trimble. It's stupid. The base model of this whatever to get a heat bump, it is sixty nine thousand nine ninety nine. That is very dumb. I want to talk about other dumb things. Cool. Let's go talk about Subaru because right. Subaru is the WRX TR, whatever the fuck. Oh, um, God, I just couldn't be bothered. Oh God, this is. I want a yawn looking at this, Ryan. So boring. <laughs> um, it, it, the cladding is less pronounced, I guess. So what they did on this uh, is they gave it a manual just, transmission, Brembo brakes, stiffer springs, and Recaro seats. Did they do anything to up the power? Like no. Uh, t- um, did they change the? Uh, you said suspension or just yes, brakes? Uh, okay. Suspension and brakes. Okay. All right. And manual um, transmission, but like, okay, cool. This had a manual. Uh huh. Yeah, that's one of the only reasons you would. Uh, <laughs> it you already buy had a WRX. manual. Like, <laughs> oh god, what's up with this freaking Outlander ad? Uh, uh, okay, so it has a different steering rack. It's an FB24 still. Two forty-five, thirty-five, 19s. Jesus Christ, it's a big tire. So you're gonna have a lot of pothole issues. All right, still have Recaros from like ten years ago. Got it. Well, actually, they're eight-way power adjustable Recaros. The Recaros make a huge the, uh, difference. Yes, you would never buy one of yeah. these without the Recaros. You would have to um, have a smooth brain to not do that. Wow, they have no pictures of this. Actually, thing. they did do one change as remotely worthwhile. Okay. Uh, the Recaros seats have a lower seat position, oh, which nice for allows people. you to wear a helmet. Or, or just be like 6'8 and be comfortable. Or they could have made the car able to be able to be worn with a hel- driven with a helmet on from the start because it's a performance car. Correct. Uh, the demographic for a WRX owner, unless I am wrong, is late twenties to late thirties males, and a lot of those people that are buying a manual turbocharged uh, car are going to be doing things yes. like autocross and. Track Do you want to hear the most confused addition to this car? Think about what does what it is- have a skid plate? No. <laughs> What is the very last thing you've ever considered as an option on a car that is centered on enthusiasts and is meant for like a track car or an engaging driving feature? What is the very last thing that you would ever care about adding onto a car that's a noteworthy option on other vehicles? Uh, he did steering wheel, maybe. Nope. Um, no, no, it's, it's the a last no thing I would care on a performance car. Yeah, the the very last thing that would ever come to mind when you're like when you're shopping for a performance car, and you want a performance trim level. What is the very last driver thing? aids? Yes, they added eyesight. I don't want that. I hate, nobody asked for I that. I hate that system, and it Who defaults to on. Who the fuck asked for that? Nobody asked for that. Now it's available at a manual. Finally, great. Which is kind of okay, I guess. Great. But so like, now I can have a computer. Sm- Ruin my why? What? <laughs> Eyesight is like the, nobody asked for that. It is the worst driver assistance feature I've ever experienced. Why on earth? I, just, I would love to see the bean counter that said that this needs to go. Like, who the fuck cares? This is what I'm just baffled. It's like if AMD made a Threadripper that was more eco friendly. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's not what, that's literally why I don't have a Threadripper. I don't care about the environment. I need to compute It's four heavily. times as fast as a Ryzen 9, but we cut the TDP to 70 watts, and now it's way slower. Yeah, like, what? Like, nobody asked for that. Like, that's a terrible idea. What the fuck? <laughs> why? Super, you're not making it easy for us to like you. We've now made an F-16 uh, fighter. But it carries a crew of 25. <laughs> like, what am I going to use that for? We had to reduce bomb and ammo payload yeah. a little bit. Like, what am I going to use that for? <laughs> a joint strike fighter slash DC-10? <laughs> yeah, like, here's my GE locomotive that has a 0 to 60 of 5 seconds, but can only pull 2,500 pounds of weight. Like, it's only got one traction yeah. motor. Like, what on earth? Who, who's asking for this shit? What the fuck? Like, I don't get. I. Who is in charge of that? Who? Like, 
the same people that put a skid plate into plastic, Ryan. That's yeah. Charge of it. No, there's one guy at Subaru that's like a plant from Mitsubishi. Or <laughs> from Honda Acura from five yeah. years ago. What the oh, like, no problem. I got you guys. Nobody asked for you know that. What people want. Nobody asked for that. Nobody cares. Uh, this is probably the same guy that's in dogging the turbocharged BR- BRZ. Like, <laughs> God. Well, that one I kind of understand. It would make yeah, it no, more th- expensive. Yeah, but like, Jesus Christ. This is a... Oh, I hate that system. Eyesight is so bad. I'm just... Like, genuinely, who the fuck... And to your point, the people that buy WRXs don't want the car to hit the brakes for them. Yeah. No, like, it's literally... Especially, like, like the Brembo the, brakes. The, it's called the TR. It's the track package. Like, TRs for track. Mm-hmm. Like... I should just call it the ACK. I really... I, I genuinely think that they just have a random salesperson, whoever was salesman of the month, like from like five years ago, is just like taking is just like in charge of product development. The for spin wheel they get at the end of the month, they it, it's got like five options. Yeah, on like, it. like you get to add a feature to the next month's car production. Yeah, like literally, I it, it seems like that. And then there's a second spin wheel that has a fixed amount of features. Yeah, and you're like, okay, I guess I'll be able to install. Eyesight on the on manual the... WRX track car. Great. Uh, Nobody asked for that. Nobody wants that. That's the employees probably just gotten railroaded on it too. Like, great. Now my name's on this too, so people think I did that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? This AI generated track package. Like, get out of here. Yeah, Mid Journey. Like, why are there eyesight sensors on this track package? WRX? No, even Mid Journey gets it right. <laughs> this is like it's like Chad GPT four when they first launched Ooh. it. God, this is awful. Give me an out-of-touch product for a <laughs> mid-20s enthusiast this car This absolutely just, like, you were saying right. that, like... This is Chad the, GPT that wrote a feature list, and they yeah. just had to go with it. Yeah. It was no, too like, late. <laughs> like, like you, you were talking about how the new cro- the cross-track wilderness was bad. Like, mm-hmm. no, that at least, like, on paper makes sense. It's like, yeah, they like sheet metal skid plates. Okay, cool. Ooh. No, the right feature There's implemented wrong, and the oh yeah, and the wrong feature implemented in the wrong way. I hate it. I'm gonna go away now. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.